Deborah. This meeting is being recorded. Okay, so I'm going to say something real quick. Um, good evening. Today is November 14th, 2023. We are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is step one, the doctor's opinion. And our speaker tonight is Rain. Take it away, Rain. May I just ask, hi, how, what, how you would like your time? Yeah, it's 20 minutes. So maybe at five minutes, if you just put your hand up, I'm good with visuals. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to just start off with a third step prayer. I find it helps to ground me and center me and focusing on the message and not really about my ego and what it is I want to say and don't want to say. Okay. Prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Okay, so um, I was told that we kind of connect the share to the topic. Is that right on the doctor's opinion? Is that what the topic sort of is? Okay, cool. Got it. Um, okay, then I will try to do a, a really small abbreviated version of you know, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. Um, I'm going to go to the beginning to my childhood, but I won't go as deep as I normally go into it. Um, I was born a compulsive overeater. I don't believe that I developed being a compulsive overeater, you know, over days, years as I grew. Um, I was really consumed since I was born with food. Um, with putting something in my mouth. Um, for me, you know, I talk a lot about when I share my story that I really lacked in social development. So for kids who were making connections, building friendships, learning how to interact, um, learning really a basic level emotional intelligence, that was not my case. Um, I would go over to a friend's house and what would I do? I'd make a beeline for the cabinet. Um, when we had parties and we'd have family come over, the only thing I cared about was opening up the windows and seeing what food my aunts or uncles were bringing up the driveway in the bags. Uh, as far as, you know, wanting to talk to people, really dig in and get to know them, be curious about the world around me, that was kind of shut off. Um, my world was food and everything else, like the family, the friends, the school, um, that was on the periphery. I, I lived life as like just, a, oh gosh, let me get through this day so I could eat. And life was just a means to food. Um, so you know, I, I say this a lot when I share that for me as an as an addict, I feel that, that being an addict, having a life really revolving around food really made my life very narrow, very, my life became very small. And the smaller it got, the more anxiety I had. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, an abusive home, a neglectful home, and a home that didn't have enough food. Um, now, whether that was the cause, I don't know. I don't get into that. I share a lot that fo me focusing on how did I get here? What was the cause? That has been a big 
deterrent for me to getting recovered. That has been a big, um, let me sit here and focus on why I eat like this. And the truth is, I think I know in my heart, I'll never get the answer. And that was really a way for me to avoid um, really looking at this, looking at the seriousness of this, looking at the fatal nature of this disease. Um, as I grew up, my family was not a believer in therapy or talking about your feelings and especially not the idea of addiction. The concept was you had to figure it out. Um, and if you continue to make a wrong choice, um, you were, you were morally flawed. You just weren't a strong person. You were a weak person. And so I really internalized those, those very unhealthy, dysfunctional, um, shame-based messages of, okay, I'm doing this because I'm bad. I eat a gallon of ice cream and 10 bags of chips because I'm just bad. I was just born bad and that's the answer. Um, and, and I think for me, that wasn't helpful either. Because if, if, if that's it, I'm just a, mor I'm a morally bankrupt person, well, that kind of leads me back to the same obsession with how did I get here? It's another kind of debilitating fixation. And when I fixate on that, that idea that isn't real, um, I, again, could avoid really admitting I had a problem, admitting I needed help, and then, it, and then actually taking action to do something about it. So fast forward, how does the allergy, you know, of the body, that's when I think of the doctor's opinion, the only thing I, I personally really think of is that allergy of the body. That was very confusing for me. I'm actually a person, I have anaphylactic shock. I'm allergic to bees. Um, if I get stung by a bee uh, and I don't have my EpiPen, I'm going to die like a lot of other people with anaphylaxis. So for me, I really saw um, that word allergy as an acute medical condition where you have to get, you know, hospital intervention immediately um, or you're going to be terminally ill or, or have death. Um, so when I saw this word in the doctor's opinion, it was very confusing. Um, I'm someone who um, I, I, I can tend to think of things in very rigid ways. I think as an addict, I think of things in, in very black and white terms. So my entire life, I understood an allergy as this medical condition that, that I had to see a doctor for. Now I see it used in this book and it's like, huh, I'm, I don't pick up a cookie and then I can't breathe and, or, and I'll be dead. Like this, this doesn't, this doesn't compute or connect for me personally. Um, and so it wasn't really until I found the sponsor that I currently had worked with and am working with that I really started to understand this concept. Um, as I said, I grew up in this family that didn't believe in getting help, didn't even believe in the idea of, of addiction, didn't believe in any of that. So as I grew up and my problems increased, the weight became out of control. Um, all of the health problems, as we all know, man, did they mount up. Um, I knew that something was wrong, but I didn't know what. And I, again, didn't want to admit that I needed help. So I think before I finally started working the steps, before I finally came in here, I did what so many of us do. 
all of the diets and the supplements and the alternative medicines and the, you know, the specialists and the healers and the books and the self-help. I tried to find anything I could, I could grab my hands onto that wouldn't really require me to fundamentally change. Um, I think I really gravitated towards an answer. Give me the pill, give me the solution, give me the specialist. I just want this to be one and done. Um, again, the level of denial was so deep that the concept I had to work steps and have an actual transformation. Everything that I was, I couldn't even conceive of that. Um, so as things got worse, as my health got worse, um, as I, you know, started to have problems with walking, only being in my thirties, um, I share that, you know, I developed the gallstones and I developed the acid reflux and the sleep apnea. And then, um, I developed uterine cancer, hypertension. I mean, you name it, all of the, I was checking off all the boxes, high cholesterol. I was put on medication. Um, and then just being, you know, 35 and not being able to walk more than a quarter of a mile, not being able to walk around the grocery store, having to use an electric cart, um, people would look at me and I hated myself, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And I really wasn't ready to, to really dig in and think I needed help. Um, I know we talk a lot about the bottom here. What's the bottom? Where do you hit your bottom? Some people say, oh, if this happens, if that happens, if that happens. I wasn't like that. I had to hit a lot of bottoms. I went through a lot of stuff, um, you know, in my disease, in my addiction. Something I haven't really shared much about is when I put the food down, I actually picked up prescription medication. I got addicted to pills. Um for me, it was so intolerable to not be compulsively overeating that I had to be high on drugs. Um, that's, that's how painful it was to just exist, to just be was, um, it was painful in my soul and my body and my mind. And so once I finally put those down and got help in that area, um, the food just, man, did that come up. The truth is, I think I turned to those prescription drugs because I wanted to lose weight. And I knew I couldn't stop, but I also knew I refused to get help. So I was put in a position where I said, well, let's, let's, let's do, let's do these drugs. Like, come on. Um, if that would, what it means to be thin. And I did, I lost all this weight. It was great. Um, so fast forward, press the fast forward button. Um, finally put those down got way up back into the food. My weight was higher than ever going a hundred pounds plus overweight, um, debilitating physical consequences, health deteriorating, still not changing, still not ready, nothing changing. The debilitating depression came on, not wanting to live check, you know, like all the, the classic hits of being a compulsive overeater and then just not being able to afford anything, you know, by spending every dollar you have on eating is, is tough. You know, you're like, I need to pay my cell phone bill, but I also want a birthday sheet cake for myself to eat for the weekend. So it's kind of hard. You got to choose. And even that, I even thought, the, I thought all these dysfunctional choices um, even though they weren't choices, I thought all this dysfunctional compulsive behavior was normal. Um, to me, it was the only sense of normalcy. 
Uh, it wasn't until a couple of years ago, about three years ago, where my life just hit that brick wall. It was, you know, I had hit the uterine cancer. I thought, man, now I'm going to get help. I'm going to get well. Mm -mm, that didn't happen. Um, it wasn't until a couple months after my surgery that I started coming into meetings. Something was really different this time. Something about these meetings. I was listening to big book meetings and what I was hearing was the doctor's opinion, which I'd never heard before. I had tried OA in and out a couple of times. You know, I was the rotating door person. I try it and then I just leave. I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. Um, this time I thought I'll stay around. I'll keep coming to meetings. I'll keep hanging around. I'll keep listening. And I had never done big book meetings before. I did meetings where you talk about what you eat and what you weigh, and then you, you leave. Um, this time I was really focused, I think, without even intentionally knowing it on the solution, but also on, on the, the disease. And this time around when I dug in and I read before Bill's story, when I read that doctor's opinion, hearing that as my sponsor walked me through that, you know, she explained, I wasn't having an allergy in the traditional sense as I defined it. And as I said, I have such black and white thinking, it was hard to amend. It was hard to be flexible. And she said it, an allergy is just an abnormal reaction to anything, to a substance. And I thought, well, my reaction isn't abnormal. Here I am, I'm on death's door. I am not walking very well at this point. I am suicidally depressed and unemployed. Um, and I'm saying to myself, I eat normally. <laughs> you know, that's my level of delusion and denial. And she says to me, well, well, what if you replaced, and maybe you, other people have heard this. She says, what if you replaced your thinking? Every time you thought about food, what if you thought of gas stations, what if you thought about gas stations as much as you think about food? What if you went to gas stations to get gas, even though your tank was filled as much as you do to go get food? Would that seem normal? And she like blew my mind open. When I was able to detach from the substance, I was able to see that my behaviors were so sick. And I was able to really grasp with such a simple analogy um, the fact that my body didn't react to the cookie the way someone else did. My whole life, I'd sit down with a friend, a family member, I'd see them eat a cookie, and they'd walk away. And I would think, why don't they want a box full? I don't get it. For me, I've realized, yeah, I have that allergic substance. I have one. And that, for me, is the beginning of the party. It's not the end. For a normal person, a normie, they have one and they are done. They're, they're satisfied. I don't even know what that word meant. What the hell is satisfied? Um, I want as much as I can until I'm sick. That's what I know I'm done when I'm ready to vomit and I'm going to be, you know, I'm crying in pain Then I've had enough cookies. Uh, aside from that, I'm not done. So really starting to go over these behaviors, starting to get this insight from my sponsor, listening to people who were recovered on the meetings hearing them describe their reaction to these substances, it was like, whoa, whoa, I am the alcoholic. That's my left. Thank you. But my liquor is in the food. That liquor for me is hiding in a food that I eat and I snack on every day.
Um, and so my sponsor really, she, she, she gave me the greatest gift. And that was the foundation, the beginning of understanding the doctor's opinion and the serious nature, the fatal nature, uh, the hopeless nature, and the idea that this was an allergy of my body that I couldn't control. I think without really digging into it, without having that foundation, how could I take step one? It is the foundation of step one for me. Um, if I couldn't take, if I couldn't accept that concept, then why am I powerless? Why am I power? To me, if I still think, eh, my body reacts normally, I'm sane around food, why am I going to get help? It's like me going to a doctor and saying, you need this intensive treatment. Why am I going to take this expensive treatment that's probably going to make me sick at first, might have consequences, might have side effects itself, is going to be very difficult. Why would I do any of that if I wasn't truly sick? So um, I really like that this concept was here. Um, but that's not the only piece. You know, the allergy of the body, it's coupled with, you know, as we all know, the debilitating obsession of the mind. And for me, once I have that first bite, the obsession is on. I've got to have one is, you know, one is, is nothing. That's, that's a drop in the bucket. And so the obsession of the mind takes over. And for me, that's where the rest of the steps come in. That's why I work steps one through 12, because I've really begun to accepted that first half of step one. Um, so my sponsor brought me through those steps really quickly. And she brought me through and she said, you know, this is just the beginning. The rest of your step work is really going to be rooted in steps 10, 11, and 12. Doing your 12 steps once with your sponsor, she said, is like taking out the garbage. And doing your steps 10 and 11, 12 each day is like, you know, it's like taking your garbage out daily. Um, or, you know, doing your steps is like emptying a dumpster. But the concept that I'm going to go through the steps and then, okay, my life is solved. That's not the way it was for me. That's just the beginning. I really dig into the program by having the daily maintenance, doing the daily work, doing service work for others. Um, you know, the big book tells me so many times there's no other way to ensure my immunity against compulsive overeating except for working with others. So sponsoring, helping newcomers, making outreach calls, um, sharing on meetings, qualifying, all these things I could have never conceived I would have done. They seemed like things that special people who were recovered did, like people who were recovered with this like really weird breed and they had all this energy and they did all this work. And I thought they're just show offs. What the hell are they doing? Now I understand why they do all this stuff, because all this stuff is a way for me to continually spiritually grow. You know, we talk so much about the power greater than ourselves. I tried to have a, a relationship with a power greater than myself. I sat in a room and talked and meditated. Nothing happened. It really wasn't until I started taking action. And I think that these meetings, the service, working the daily steps, they're an action step to having a spiritual relationship with my higher power. This is how I connect. This is how I stay well. Um, so when I, when I do these shares, I always feel like I didn't share enough. I always feel like I missed out on big, big portions of things. There's just so much sometimes it feels like me to cover, but, um, I think I'm just really happy to be here. I'm happy to meet a new group of, of people who want to get well, who want to keep growing. And I think I'll just end on this. I heard someone say, why do we work the 12 steps? 
Yeah, it's because we're compulsive. Yeah, it's we're addicts. Yeah, our life depends upon it. Absolutely. But I heard Bill W. say once a long time ago that we addicts are actually really spiritual people. We are deeply spiritual. We've got a massive spiritual hole in us. And it's why we actually go to a substance. We are trying to fill that deep spiritual hole with the substance and it never works. And it isn't until we come here and we're connected with the steps in our fellows that we finally get the true thing we actually were deeply spiritually craving, which is the fellowship and that power greater than ourselves that we get plugged into when we when we work the steps. So yeah, with that, I think I'm going to pass. Um, again, I know I, I left out a lot of things. Um, so maybe if there's questions, I'll have a couple minutes to answer those and can fill you in on, on, on more. Um, and I'm going to mute. Thanks. Rain, thank you so much. That was a perfect share. I got everything I needed. It was wonderful. Thank you. And um, I was told you might have to leave early today. Is that possible? Is that? Oh, sorry. I got unmuted again. Um, I'm going to stay until I can. I'm in another okay. fellowship and I jump on a program there. So okay. I will stay as long as I can. Okay, great. Well, thank you. We'll get going then. Okay. We will now open the meeting for questions and for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone and I will call the raised hands in the order that I see them, and you will be asked to unmute. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, and, and Chanel's got her hand up. Go ahead, Chanel. Hi, thanks Sally for taking the meeting. Thank you, Carla. Thank you everyone doing service. And Rain, wow. This is the second time I've heard you qualify, and I just want to thank you. Came in clutch. You really did, and thank you. And also, I got to hear some different things this time, and that is always cool with somebody. And I wanted to ask you, what is it about sponsoring that helps you grow your own recovery? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for your share. Thanks for your question. How does sponsorship help me grow? I think that um, kind of what I was sharing about being a, a deeply spiritually hungry person, I think spirituality for me um, isn't stagnant. So if I just am sitting in a room and I'm reading the steps and I'm listening to the same speakers, those are not bad things. Those are things that have helped me grow. But like growth is change. There's no way to grow and not change. So I think if I just sort of am doing the same thing with the same people and the same exact routine, um, my recovery feels stagnant or maybe stale or like it's not, it's not feeding me spiritually. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the book where it says working with another will ensure my immunity from compulsive overeating. Absolutely. I have noticed at times where I haven't had a spot, new sponsee in a while, 
all of a sudden I'm going to the fridge more, you know, and then I stop and I go, why am I here? And it's like, whoa, I've been spending a lot of time the past few days thinking about me. Um, so I think the first piece of sponsorship for me, at least, is it allows me the vacation from this crazy mind, you know, the hamster wheel can start going really fast, really quick. And when I'm working with others, I don't get to stay up here. I really have to be focused on how can I be serving them? How can I be useful to them? And they have no idea, but they are, they are saving me. They are keeping me recovered. They are keeping me feeling useful. And I learn so much from the newcomer or the person who's been in relapse 50 times, whoever it is. It's like, I've heard people say this when we talk to new sponsees, it's like we're talking to ourselves. They're holding up a mirror. And I think that's what it is for me. They're holding up something that maybe I haven't seen, you know, maybe all of a sudden here I am talking about selfishness in the big book. Maybe I've all of a sudden become selfish. I don't know. Maybe yesterday I said something like, I need this reminder. I need that self-reflection. And somehow when I work with other people, it just allows me to have that more self-reflection and more room to grow and more room for that, that's that spiritual food that I need. Thank you. Who's next? Jenny. Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a compulsive overeater and um, thank you, Rain. I really enjoyed your qualification. Um, so looks like, okay. I just saw a message pop up. Um, I, I am a chronic relapser and, um, my question is, I have trouble with the allergy because I, I know that my thinking is really like, you know, it, it's crazy. I've always thought that, I mean, I have no ever since I was young. Um, but I just seem like I don't, I, I liked what you said about the allergy, um, which is an abnormal reaction to a substance, but because it doesn't show up any other way than, you know, I just want to eat more of it. I always think, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if how, if you could give me some more information on that, and, you know, shed some more light on, how you got through to step one and the doctor's opinion. Yeah, uh, that's a good question too. Um, I actually didn't have time in my share to say I had relapsed multiple times. I had worked with multiple sponsors. Um, I, I think I struggled with it too. I think, and again, I don't, I don't have this the say of what the answer is. I can just say what my truth has been in my recovery. And for me, looking at the substances, and that's what they are for me, you know, those alcoholic foods for one person, they're a food. They define it as a food. They they have a piece of it and put it away and don't think of it again. And I think for me, the abnormal reaction is the fact that I have one piece, I go to put it away. And my heart starts racing. The adrenaline rushes. I feel, I, I have felt like I'm going to die. <laughs> like I'm sitting there and I'm going, you can't have another. You'll, you'll, you'll gain weight or you'll, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to feel sick. You, you literally are 
you know, making yourself want to throw up from all this. And all of a sudden the sick thoughts start, the mind races. I am consumed with the idea of how many more can I have? Should I go out back to the store? I don't know if I have enough tonight. I have been in rainstorms and snowstorms where they have told you, do not go on the roads. And I have gone on the roads, <laughs> you know, there, you know, like I have, it is not an exaggeration to say I, for me, have like risked my life. I have eaten such large amounts of food. I've shared about this. I've choked alone and have been very lucky I didn't die. Um, so, you know, I think however that manifests is so different for each of us. But I, I think I just started to see that the fact that eating this amount of food was literally, you know, between my health problems um, and then and then the insane obsessive thinking. And then I think I think it's not an abnormal reaction to for me, at least to be consumed with a thing. So I thought that was normal to think about something all the time. I'll, I'll think about I mean would open my eyes in the morning. Oh, what am I going to eat? Is it there? You know, and I think for me, not accepting this concept or even being open to it was a form of denial. It was almost like other people could connect the dots. I didn't want, to, I don't, I, I don't know if it was because I couldn't or I didn't want to, but I didn't make the connections of the dots. No way. It's just, I eat too much and one day I won't. That's about all, you know? Um, so I think maybe not wanting to look at all the other factors around that made my life miserable was important for me to go, oh, well, this isn't really a drug. This isn't a drug. This isn't an addiction. And it's absolutely not an allergy. Because if, if it is, then you're telling me I have no control. And what's the most important thing for me as an addict is the big C word is control. Time. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful. I don't know if it was. Thank you, Rain. Thank you, Jenny. Larissa, come on in. Hi, um, I was wondering if you could, if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, your initial experience coming off of your addictive foods. Mm. Like, how did you navigate that? How did you stay on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, you know, this is such a this is such a great question. I kind of wish it was talked about more in meetings and with sponsors. Um, you know, the idea that after three days we don't go with with you know for withdrawals. I get that everyone's body's different. It took me months to emotionally and physically withdraw and detox. Um, you know, I even think of a drug addict or alcoholic who picks up in their teens or 20s. I had been using this drug out of the womb. I had, you know, it was almost like I had never, I had never been living in this world where I wasn't essentially on anesthesia 
you had numbed me out. And it wasn't, I didn't just go through physical withdrawals, which I did. I mean, the shakes like an alcoholic does. Um, but the other type of withdrawals I went through was the emotional withdrawals. That food was my only friend. It was my only support, comfort. Um, I didn't have a life. My life revolved around food. So you're taking the only thing I've ever known and you're ripping it from me. Like that isn't going to be something after 48 hours that I'm going to, I'm going to do well with. Um, I remember months in, I even started going through depression and I already, I'm someone who already has depression. Um, you know, I have a diagnosis, I have medication I use for it. So my depression got worse and I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of what's the guilt about that. I thought, man, I'm not really recovered. I feel so down. And I ended up finding this book and it was about um, the refining process of sugar and flour. And it was written by a, a, a dietitian, and she talks about how when you cook flour and sugar that much, it's very similar to what people do with cocaine and heroin. They cook it and cook it and cook it to keep their customers coming back. So I think I kind of made that connection too. I thought, you know, I've heard alcoholics and drug addicts talk about how it took them a while, sometimes a year to really get to the, to really get to the root of like who they were. So as far as the physical withdrawals in the beginning, man, I had to call my sponsor a lot. <laughs> you know, I had to say, I just got done eating. I'm about to have my snack now. I'm done with food for the night. I needed that extra support at first because, man, I was jonesing. I was jonesing like the heroin addict or the alcoholic. So it's not just as easy as putting it down. I I, I try to tell my sponsees, um, you can call me as much as you need to or text me in the beginning when you're putting the food down because I know how strong the withdrawals are going to be. So, yeah, I think it requires a lot of support, at least for me it did. Okay. Um, we'll now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares.